for inviting me. I really appreciate it. I'm going to set up my illustration prop here, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so, yeah, Andrew has invited me to open up the topic of why church? Why go to church? Why is it essential? Um, do you have to go to church in order to go to heaven? You know, those are big questions surrounding why church. Uh, and this is actually a very important question because there's a lot of people who have that question. Uh, I've interacted with a lot of different kinds of people, and one of their main questions is, you know, do we really have to go to church? You know, at home, we can worship, we can read our Bibles, you can even watch sermons online, and so do we really need to plug into the church? Well, I believe that God has in store for each and every one of us a plan, and that is to get invested, get involved in the church, because God sees potential in each and every one of you, and that plays out in so many different ways through the church. And so th this right here is, uh, this is actually a chart for growth, but it's of my dad's grandkids. So I had one of these growing up, and it was like a, the baseboard over a door, you know, where the kids back up. They, they, sometimes they, they cheat a little, but then you, you mark out where their height is. And so on here, this is, I made this for my dad for Christmas. And so on here, you've got Emma, that's my brother's kid. We've got Jane, that's my daughter, and we've got Kaysen, and then Avery, and the list goes on of the different kids. You know, some of these are repeats, but this is a measurement of all the grandkids and their growth over the years. And so I brought this because the topic of why church, uh, the topic that I have is spiritual growth. Well, how does the church benefit our spiritual growth as we go throughout life? And Jesus is our measurement. So if this is six feet, we know human beings get about six feet. Some are taller, some are shorter. But like, so six feet. So Jesus is our measurement for our growth. And real quick, what I want to do with Jesus, I want to give you just some broad strokes about who Jesus is, his passions, his calls. And so just really quick, and then we'll get into some specific principles. Jesus lived his life with a sense of purpose, pursuing the will of God for his life through scriptures. If you read the Gospels, you find that he brings up scripture passages throughout his ministry. Um, Jesus responded to seeing those who were vulnerable and doing what was in his power and ability to help them. People like widows, orphans, you see the kids coming to Jesus and, and just being around him. And he said, no, don't hold them back. Let them come to me. Uh, the sick and the diseased, oftentimes in Jesus' ministry, there were just so many sick that just crowded around Jesus, and it was in his power and ability to help them. Uh, you got the outcasts and the lonely. You get people like the woman at the well, the outcast, going at the hottest time of day out to the well to be away from people, and there Jesus met her and changed her life. Jesus went out of his way for that. Um, and Jesus sought to bring an understanding about who God is and what he actually desired. Uh, Jesus taught the value of love. Jesus taught God cares who we are internally and externally. There was an issue in their time where they were focused on external things. Well, Jesus pointed out the internal matters uh, critically to God. That matters even more. Wash the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean. Uh, Jesus taught a humble heart of servanthood can change the world. And this morning, I want to focus on three specific principles. Three specific principles from Jesus' life. And the first one comes from Matthew chapter 4. So if you'd like to turn there with me this morning. 
We're going to read one through one through four. A little context to this passage, just so you know where we're at, is it's before Jesus' ministry. He's being prepared before he goes, before he is invested in his ministry. He is being prepared. John the Baptist baptizes him. He's filled with the Spirit, and he goes off and has this uh, wandering in the desert kind of a thing. So we're going to read through this. I want you to listen for Jesus' used scripture and how he references the Word of God. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He was trying to break his fasting. Fasting was very important to the Jews. It was a thing done for God. The devil was trying to make him break it. So this is Jesus's answer. He said, it is written, so he's quoting scripture, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We often call this book the word of God, and that's, that's why. So Jesus is saying this, he's quoting scripture, the word of God, by the mouth of God, things that he has said, things that he has done, and he's quoting scripture. And I wanted to read to you this Old Testament passage. So anytime you read something and it's a quote, it's good to read the Old Testament section. What, is, what exactly is Jesus referencing to? And so that's from Deuteronomy chapter 8. So I'm going to read that for you this morning. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites. So here we go. Moses is speaking. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's a lot of symbolism between these two, these two moments. So Jesus is wandering in the desert for 40 days. Well, the Israelites here were wandering in the desert for 40 years. They were following the word of God. Well, Jesus is following it, his fast, following that. And so they say here in this Old Testament passage, Deuteronomy, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what Jesus is quoting. This is scripture. So we derive a principle from this. And the principle is this. Jesus valued scripture. And if we are to grow spiritually, we need to daily read our Bible. If you can do so, the Bible will help you grow in your understanding, character, truth, and ultimately closer to your relationship with God. I skipped a point here, but it's very important. I don't want to miss it. Jesus' ministry was modeled by his passion and desire to follow the will of the Father. The will of God is made discoverable through the Bible. That's very important. God's will is discoverable through the Bible. So when we read it, we read the Word of God for our lives. And that can impact how we live and act throughout our lives. And I want to give you an example of this. I like wearing very unique necklaces. 
And I just, I have a couple of them and I, I just wear a couple of them. One of them that had the most impact on me was, it's an 18th century cabinet key. I went to an antique shop, found an old cool looking key and I attached a memory verse to it. Not, not physically, but mentally. And it was Ephesians 2.10. So every morning when I get up and I put on this necklace, I would recite this memory verse. So Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I memorized that. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so what this did is as I would go throughout my life, there would be certain situations which that would play into. That memory verse would come to mind and help me know how to navigate different situations. So, so we are God's workmanship, so I take pride in the things that I create. And so God takes pride in me. Uh, some, some of the translations for that word is masterpiece. That we are God's masterpiece. And that means that I'm valued. That I'm purposeful. Because if he's making something, it's for something. So each and every one of you here today are valuable in God's eyes. And he's, you're his masterpiece as he creates you. So that speaks of your character, who you are, your identity. That's value. So we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So we are, in fact, defined by our relationship with Christ, defined by our relationship with Jesus. He died on the cross. That changed how we live. He broke that and rose to new life. Well, that means that changes us because now we are raised to new life. So then God prepares in advance for us to do so good work. So God is preparing things for you and I throughout our daily lives. That's the end of the passage of that. So that's, that's an example of if you take scripture, live by it, memorize it, get around in your life, it'll help influence you. So find a memory verse that speaks to you, that really attaches onto you, memorize it because it will become a guide for you. It is, in a way, the word of God for your life. So Jesus valued scripture, and if we are to grow spiritually, we need to be reading our Bible daily, getting familiar with it. The Bible is a, a record over thousands of years of men and women interacting with God, and God interacting with men and women. We get to read about their stories. We get to read about their teachings. We even get to read about their failures, their shortcomings, but we also get to read about their successes, things that they did right in life. We can learn from those as we go forward and go throughout life. So use your Bible. So why church? Why church? So that's the topic today. Well, the church provides biblical education, helps us understand the text, helps us understand the Bible, because not everything in here is super easy to read. Sometimes it's shrouded in Jewish culture or Old Testament history, there's so much, but so we need to connect with the church in order to have a better understanding of God's word. Or it might get lost in some of the areas. You can get teaching from sermons, like you are today. There's people, men and women, who dedicate their lives, like Andrew Bullock and your pastor, who dig into God's word develop something and bring it to you. It's like this treasure that we have found and now we get to bring to you. And so, so you get it from sermons, there's Bible studies. You can get plugged into a small group where you study God's word and that can be a little bit better because you can ask questions. That's a great area to say, hey, I don't understand this. 
and you can field those through people who have already struggled with those and might have an answer for you. Maybe the group needs to, to go through that process. Sometimes churches provide classes, and that can be really beneficial, kind of target some specific areas of learning. So you can get plugged in there. Maybe you need to get somebody who is wiser than you, someone who's been a Christian longer, and pair yourself up with them. There's a lot of value to mentorship as you go forward. But Jesus valued Scripture, therefore we should value Scripture. It's a part of our measurement. So if Jesus is our measurement for growth, we should value Scriptures. And the church helps us get plugged in, help us learn. So get plugged in. So your life has changed. When you use the Bible as a guide for your life, your relationship with God will grow. Through the Bible, we can discover God's will. So if the first principle is focused on that, the second principle is actually focused on our heart. And we can learn specifically from the Jesus' life because he teaches very specifically about this. So we can actually put into practice the first principle. First principle is learn from Scripture. Read your Bible. So that's actually what we're going to do for the second principle. And we're going to go ahead and read John chapter 13. In this passage, this is nearing Jesus' end of his ministry. And he gets this moment, this very sacred moment of the Passover with his disciples. It's very important. And he's going to teach them how to live by example. So uh, Jesus in John chapter 13 Uh, starting in verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his, his outer garment and taking a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing now you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Uh, Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. So this section of scripture, Jesus is using himself as an example. Being Lord, being God, the creator who created the universe came as a man, brought in his disciples, and tied a towel around his waist and washed feet. Now there was a past moment in my life where I actually had a sermon and I washed the elders' feet 
It was super awkward, super uncomfortable. Then the elders, they washed some of the other people's feet just as a pure example. And I'm not going to do that today. You don't, I'm not going to do that today. So the purpose back then is they had sandals. They, their feet got muddy, dusty, and they needed cleaning. So when they'd enter a home, there usually was a servant that washed their feet. And apparently today, in the passage, there wasn't somebody to wash their feet. So Jesus saw that need in his disciples and took it and showed them that even the master, even the Lord, the teacher, can humble himself to fulfill a role for somebody else's needs. And I want you to notice that it's with his disciples. So, so this is more like the people you're sitting next to. Because if, if we are disciples of Jesus, we're pursuing Jesus, we're all, we're all trying to grow and become like Jesus, we're all disciples of Jesus, that means we ought to wash one another's feet, not physically, symbolically, symbolically by meeting the needs of others. And that can be difficult sometimes because like washing feet, it's a little vulnerable to have someone meet your needs and for you to step out and to help somebody with those things. But it's a part of our growth. Jesus says, if I have done it, you should also do it. And Jesus modeled in his life a life of servanthood. He as God humbled himself as a man. He as a man died on a cross. Those are all things done for you and I. Those humble, self-sacrificing things that he did for us. And so we are called to have a heart of Jesus as we grow. So don't overlook that. Don't, don't overlook the fact that we are called to be a servant to one another. We are called to have an attitude of humility Heart of, attitude of a servant to one another, to treat each other with humility by being ready to help, specifically to have the heart of Jesus. Now, why church? This is the big question. Why church? Well, the church helps by creating environments for us to serve in. There's so many different areas throughout ministry that could use your help, use input, where you could plug in. There's areas throughout a, a Sunday service where there's a greeting table. Actually, he's holding the baby out there right now. That's, <laughs> yeah. So he's running the greeting table. We've got the tech guys. If you know tech, you could get plugged in there. If you know worship, you can get plugged into worship. There's so many places where you can get involved. Even in your small group, if you're plugged into a small group, if you're not get plugged, you should get plugged in. There are awesome places. If you are, ask them how you can help. There's usually little things that you can help that where they... You know, oh, yeah, I really wish this thing could, and you could, you could play a part, play a role in it. Get involved. Jesus calls us to get involved, and the church helps us by creating those environments in which we can serve and begin to grow in our process. The best action that you can do is uh, talking to a leader of a ministry and asking how you can help. Uh, your life is changed when you commit to growing a heart of Jesus by serving in a church. But I need to be forward with you because this, those are pretty vulnerable things. And whenever you start doing these things, if you start reading God's word, digging into God's word, and if you start serving in the church, what's going to happen is you're going to face growth. You're going to have to grow because those are challenging situations. So Jesus knew that you would need a helper, that we, you and I would need help growing in our character, help growing in our understanding. And so he promised a helper. So in John chapter 14, so we just read in 13, in John chapter 14, he makes a promise for us. 
John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So Jesus was a helper to them, but now he's sending another helper like him to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I will live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not the one who betrayed Jesus, uh, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anybody loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me, referencing the word of God again. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says that as you pursue your relationship with me, as you follow my commandments and my teachings, as you grow spiritually, as you get involved in, connect into the church, and you start growing in these areas, the Holy Spirit will be someone who goes with you to help you grow in those areas. And a big question that came up in my mind is, how do we know we have the Holy Spirit? He seems to be this guy that always works in the background. And so Ephesians chapter 1 states that the moment you believe in the gospel, which is Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, when you believe in that, the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. So he is with you even through this time. So if the first principle, the first principle is, oh man. I'm blanking. Why? Scripture. Thank you. I mean, I was focused. So if the first principle is read your Bible, get invested. Second principle is serve in the church. The third principle is get involved with the Holy Spirit. Involve him into your life. And he will start making tremendous impact in your life. Uh, there's, if you haven't taken a specific moment out of your day, if you've never sat down and specifically talked to the Holy Spirit, I would suggest that because as you go throughout life and you have points where you're struggling, maybe with a repetitive sin, ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that area specifically. If you have an area that you want to grow in, that you have character development that you want to ha have happen, ask him. And he will help you overcome those barriers. Jesus said the helper will come. He will fill you and he will help you succeed in your life, help you overcome. Because one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us to stop sinning, stop hurting ourselves and hurting those around us, help us become more like Jesus and to know God. Those are the primary roles in general, and it's a general summary of what the role of the Holy Spirit is. So get plugged into that. There's so much that God sees in you. He wants to work through you in those areas.
So there's three commitments that come along with this message. Start reading your Bible daily. Get invested into God's Word. Get plugged into the church. However you can learn about God's Word, get plugged in there. The second one is get connected. Serve in your church. Wherever you need to get plugged in and start growing in that area, could be small, could be big, just get invested in a ministry of the church. It'll help you grow. The third one is get involved with the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to become free of your sins and out of those bonds and free to love and to serve God and to help this world. So commit today, and I promise you that the entire course of your life will be changed by those things. Your spiritual growth will change and you will grow exponentially when you invest yourself into these areas.